Hey everybody, welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. I wonder, do you ever look at the church and ask yourself, how did we get here? You walked. <laughs> you walked, yes, thank you, yes. Um, <laughs> next question. <laughs> Have you ever looked at like the all of the different denominations and the different, uh, the different ideas um, and people having a go at each other in the public forum. Uh, you know, you, you hear stories of people who have divergence beliefs being kicked out of their churches. And you just go, how did we get here? How did we get here? Um, there's a church that was not far from us in Sydney who made a big uh, fuss when they, they, they put together like a, an agreement that all of their volunteer leaders would sign, uh, which I think is not an un- unhealthy thing to do. But the reason it was so controversial is because one of the conditions of leading in this church was you had to commit to never go and visit Hillsong. Go and visit Hillsong. So you could be you could be part of this church, but you weren't allowed to go to Hillsong and visit. And it caused a real uproar because people said, you know, like they had very strong set of beliefs around this um, this particular set of issues. But for them, it like even going and visiting this other particular church was was just unfathomable. And people said. Ask that question, how did we get here? And I think one of the things, I, I, you know, that that's a big question. There's a lot of ways to answer that. But what I think it really boils down to is this tension that we face as God's church. You know, like sometimes I, I wonder to myself, like if all of the churches could just get on, like if we found some way that every church, every denomination, every nation, nationality could just figure out how to coordinate it themselves, like, the kingdom would come and then Jesus would go, oh, I better come back now. You know, like <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder that. But when you think about it, okay, let's let's start this movement. As many people have tried to do, which worship songs do we sing? You know, are people allowed to put their hands in the air? Do we invite the Holy Spirit to come? Do we not do that? You know, you, you realize very quickly that coordinating something like that would re- require compromises that a lot of churches just aren't willing to make. Um, and I think, like I said before, I think that this boils down to beliefs. And it, there's this tension that we have where on one hand, we want to remain absolutely faithful to the teaching of Jesus. Like we, we love our Bibles and, and almost every Christian would, would agree that the Bible is important and remaining faithful to the true teaching of Jesus is important. But at the same time, you know, when we have different beliefs and in different interpretations, on the other side is we have this tension where we want to ma- remain unified and we want to remain together as the church. Like we want to, we want to be, we want to be one. And this is a really tricky tension to hold. It's also this this tension between um, remaining faithful to to the teaching and also remaining unified. It's it's something we face in a in a church context too because. Even though we have, uh, you know, generally churches gather around similar beliefs and values and ideas, but there's always going to be some some different views within the, the group, isn't there? And so how do we get on when people have different ideas and priorities and interpretations 
of how things are supposed to be. Well, the vineyard has uh, one answer to that. It's not the answer for the whole church forever, but it is a helpful framework. And it's called the main and the plain. Like we, we, we keep the main thing the main thing and we stick to the plain teaching of Scripture. Now, the language that we're going to be using uh, here at Toowoomba Vineyard Church is more around uh, keeping the main thing the main thing. And we'll explain why we like that language a bit better as we go. Um, but for us, one of the ways that we can help navigate this tension is we can learn how to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, our slide operator has disappeared. Hey, Jen. Oh, you got it? Thank you, Mandy. Yeah, if you can go to the next slide. I want to give us a little framework. So as we unpack this, oh, and I need to mention at the start that we're going to work backwards this this week. So we're going to start by talking around the topic a little bit, and then we're going to get to the passage. Um, But I want to give us a little bit of a framework that will help us to understand this that also I think is very practical for how we... Ooh, that sounded... Oh, dear. That was just the door slamming. It's all right. That wasn't David. (laughs) Um, for anyone who heard that loud bang on the podcast. <laughs> um, so anyway, so this framework is going to be really helpful for us in understanding how we can how we can kind of navigate the myriad of different beliefs, priorities, opinions that we are inevitably have in our scribble that we call church. And the, so these, these circles, they represent everything that any given Christian believer would believe. So take any belief, doctrine, idea that you have, it all fits within the circle. And there are three, well, we're going to work with three different kind of uh, levels in this con- these concentric circles. And at the inside, we have our core beliefs. So core beliefs are the things that are essential to being ca- categorized as a Christian. So they're things that if you stop believing these things or compromise on these beliefs, then you would you would say, well, that's not really Christianity anymore. So things like the physical resurrection of Jesus. You know, if you advocate for some like a spiritual resurrection, that's outside of the mainstream teaching of of Christianity. Um, you know, God as Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as another example. Um, the Bible and the accepted uh, canon of the Bible. Um, you know, these these are the things that are at the the center of what we believe. And if we compromise on these things, then we're sort of uh, you know we're compromising on our our categorization as Christian. We go out to the next level and we have what I would call convictions. And these are things that would be like denominational or church held beliefs. So things that are very important, but if you if you have different differing opinions, you'd still be Christian, but you might probably belong to a different denomination or a different movement. So for example, uh, one of these would be belief in the movement of the Holy Spirit today. You know, so we believe in the vineyard. We're very passionate about seeing the work of the Holy Spirit manifest here today. Like that's that's central to who we are. And if you if you don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit continue, you're very welcome to be a part of our our congregation. But we probably wouldn't give you the microphone, um, proverbial or otherwise. Um, another thing that we're very passionate about in the vineyard is um, empowering women for ministry and preaching. Um, and we we believe that that view comes from the scriptures. Uh, very passionately, um, and again, like if if that's not something you believe, or if that's if you hold a contrary belief, you're still very welcome to be part of our community. Um, but uh, you know, that's we're not going to compromise on that because that's what we believe as a church and as a movement, very passionately. As we move to the outside level, um, we have what 
we would call opinion. Um, so these are things that differ on a believer to believer basis. And you can, these are the things that we can have very, very different ideas on, but still be still, if we're willing to work at it, um, we can still be part of the same church and we can still uh, get on and work together uh, as a unified church or movement. So some examples would be um, rules around alcohol. There are some people who feel very strongly that Christians shouldn't drink. There are some that don't. Um, if you have a read of the beginning of Romans 14, addresses this really nicely if you want to read that afterwards. Um, another example I would say would be um, seven-day creationism. Some people believe that the world was created in seven um, in seven 24-hour periods. Others, um, you know, are very happy to accept, you know, uh, science's take on evolution. Um, and, you know, I believe this is one of those things where, you know what, we can have totally different views on this, but we can still we can still get along. We can still agree. We can, in, in fact, maybe we're even richer for having these different opinions in the room. Um, another example I would say, which might get a bit spicy, is political affiliation. You know, there are some churches where, you know, they would say, oh, well, you need to, if you're a Christian, then you should obviously vote this way or vote for or against this certain thing. But in the vineyard and, and in our church, we actually really want to make room and be intentionally making room for people of different political persuasions. You know, I might have my own, you know, I probably would fall kind of slightly to the left of center in my political views, you don't have to do that. If you're conservative or if you're progressive, then you're very welcome here and we're glad you're here. So we've got these three different categories, if you will, of belief. Now, it doesn't have to be three. Um, there can be more than that um, or, or you could cut it up in different ways, but this is just a simple way to illustrate. There are, there are different kind of levels of, of beliefs that we hold as a church. And I think having this framework and just keeping this in the back of your mind it can really help us uh, for a few reasons. The first one is it helps us find common ground with other churches. So if we uh, if we encounter or we as we go, we want to work with other churches. That's something we want to do. We're very passionate about that. Um, having this this framework means that we can recognise that we hold you know many of these like we hold all of these core beliefs uh, together, and so we actually agree on the the fundamentals. Then when you go out to the second, we might have several overlapping convictions that allow us, again, to find common ground. But we might have very, very different opinions on certain, certain topics. And because we recognize that they belong in that third category, they don't become such a problem anymore. It's not like we have differences of opinion, so we can't work together. Another thing it does is it, um, it helps us recognize that within our own church, different opinions don't have to be a deal breaker. Um, I've sort of explained this a little bit already. Well done, Jen, by the way. Um, and then the third thing is it also helps us uh, focus on where what we teach on and what we major on as a church. So we will tend, you know, as a vineyard church, we will tend to teach on the things that belong in core beliefs and convictions. But recognizing that we have lots of different opinions, you know, I'm not going to teach on, you know, like how to vote, for example. I'm not going to... You know, no, abs well, absolutely not. Like, you know, I'm not going to, another example is I do have strong beliefs on, you know, seven-day creationism, but I'm not going to teach on that because I recognize that there are people who have different opinions on those things, and I actually really appreciate that. And so by not sort of projecting that certain opinions as, as the official opinions of the church, it actually really helps us. 
Um, and when we have this framework in mind, it, it sort of, it lets us prioritize those things and work out, um, you know, which things are, are uncompromising beliefs that we hold and which ones fit into the category of opinion as well. Now, I think it's important to say that keeping the main thing the main thing, this phrase that we, we had up on the screen before, it doesn't mean that we make the main thing the only thing. So I think we can fall into this trap and, and like I know churches that they'll, they'll be very proud of the fact that every Sunday, every, whatever talk they do, it always ends in the same place. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, and they'll, they'll do the same set of sermons again and again because they want to make, like, just keep the main thing, the only thing. And they, they, and, and I think there's a lot of merit to that. And I, I really see the heart behind that. I do. But I think also we shortchange ourselves. If we only ever talk about just the core beliefs, then we shortchange ourselves. And we also don't give people an opportunity to understand where some of our uh, denominational convictions come from. And so by kind of, the, and the other thing is, I think it's very important in our preaching to make sure that we're addressing and understanding our culture and how, how our faith uh, informs our culture and vice versa. You know, these things are really important. And so when we preach, we're going to, we are going to, we're not just going to do the core values. We're going to do denominational beliefs as well. But then when we recognize certain things fall under the category of opinion, we won't necessarily try and preach an official view of the church. And having that framework, it just really helps us to understand why we do that. Uh, a, a, one, one helpful way I've heard of explaining it is that uh, we major on the majors and we minor on the minors. So it's not that we don't talk about the minors, it's just that we minor on them, we don't, we don't major on them. So does this framework solve all of our problems with church unity? Yes, of course it does. No, it doesn't. Um, because where, th where things start to fall apart um, is who decides which things belong in which category. You know, part of the reason why we have different churches is not because we have different beliefs necessarily, but it's because we prioritize different beliefs to different levels. And, you know, if it was that simple, then the church would be unified. The church would be one. You know, we'd be all over it and it'd be wonderful. You know, there are some churches where one of their core values, the things that sits in the middle, uh, is that the one of the core values is that the KJV translation is the only translation. <laughs> and and we, we kind of laugh about that. And it is kind of funny when you think about it. But there are churches for whom that is absolutely at the center of their belief system. And if you, if you use another translation, it's, it's essentially you're not Christian. Um, you know, and there are other, there are other churches where um, preaching about the cessation of the Spirit's activity is a core belief. And so for them, it's, it's not just that, oh, well, you guys do that and we don't. For them, it's essential to the Christian faith that we, we stop practicing the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I don't understand why you would want to do that because it's so much fun. But that's how they read and interpret the Bible. Um, now, my suggestion for how we solve this problem, and obviously I'm just me. I don't have all of the answers, so I'm not saying this is the answer for all time. But I do want to offer a suggestion that would help us reframe our thinking and help us work together much better within our church and with other churches. And that's, and this is, if there's only one thing you, you take away from this message, this would be it. My suggestion is that um, ultimately Christianity, the reason we have so many problems with all of these differing beliefs is because we've forgotten that Christianity isn't actually about being right. 
the core substance of our faith is not about having the right set of beliefs. It's not about the right doctrine. It's not about the right interpretation in Scripture. These things are important, but that's not what this is about. Ultimately, Christianity is not about being right. It's about following Jesus. And we can all agree on Jesus. We might have different ideas about how to interpret that, how to action that, but ultimately it's not about being right. It's about following Jesus. And I think if we took our, if we changed our posture and we stopped coming to the Bible with the, idea, with the belief that we, we're the ones who finally got it right, we're the ones who correctly interpret Scripture and have all the answers, and we came with the posture of a disciple, a disciple is a lifelong learner. And if you want to call yourself a disciple of Jesus, we need to have a posture of being willing to learn uh, and be corrected and moving forward, not a posture of being right. And I think if we learn to do that at the global church, we might not land on, you know, we might never be able to have a conference where everyone's happy. Like that probably won't ever happen. But if we, I think that we could learn to work together and we could learn to cooperate as a church in a way that would see amazing kingdom fruit. So let's, um, let's open the Bible together with that preamble, that very long preamble. And let's just briefly unpack a passage that um, I think will sound very different if you're familiar with it to how it did before. So Ephesians chapter 4, Boom. verses <laughs> 1 through 16. I already had it on the screen. So when I say I had it on the screen, I mean Mandy already had it on the screen. Thank Mandy. Um, so this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, and it's split into two halves. Six, six chapters, one to three, are really Paul reminding them of what the good news of Jesus is. And then in the second half, he goes on to talk about what that means, how we live differently as a result. So let's read together. And I'm going to read from the Kingdom New Testament, which is N.T. Wright's translation of the New Testament, just to, just to keep things fun. It's highly recommended. One of the things I love is that he, he moves, the, um, he moves the, the subtitles to the side so it reads a little bit more like it would have in the original text. And he also italicizes um, bits of poetry. So what you know, biblical authors often do is drop bits of poetry in. And so it actually helps you work out when he's quoting poetry, which is cool. Anyway, it reads like this. So then, this is my appeal to you. Yes, me, the prisoner in the Lord. You must live up to the calling you have received. Bear with one another in love. Be humble, meek, and patient in every way with one another. Make every effort to guard the unity that the Spirit gives with your lives bound together in peace. There is one body and one Spirit. You were, after all, called to one hope which goes with your call. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure the king used when he was distributing gifts. That's why it says, when he went up on high, he led bondage itself into bondage and he gave gifts to people. When it says here that he went up, this means that he also came down to the lower place, that is to earth. The one who came down is also the one who went up, yes, above all to the heavens, that he might fill all things. So these were the gifts he gave. Some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors and teachers. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for the work of service and so to build up the king's body. 
The purpose of this is that we should each reach at, uh, we should all reach unity in our belief and loyalty uh, and in knowing God's Son. Then we shall reach the statue of the mature man measured by the standard of all of the king's fullness. As a result, we won't be babies any longer. We won't be thrown this way and that on a stormy sea, blown out by every gust of teaching, by human tricksters, by their cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, we must speak the truth in love and so grow up in everything in him, that is, into the king who is in the head. He supplies the growth that the whole body needs, linked as it is to be held together by every joint which supports it, with every member doing its own proper work. Then the body builds itself up in love. Now, most times that I've heard people talk about this passage, it's usually been about one or two things. The first one is about um, spiritual maturity, growing into spiritual maturity and recognizing that uh, that each one of us plays a different role within the church. And so when we recognize our own role or our own function, that helps us to grow into maturity. The other thing that I've often heard is, um, uh, you know, quite often we, we focus just on this one verse um, here uh, in verse 11, um, that some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors and teachers. And a lot of people have used this, um, for better or for worse, as, as kind of like a structure for how to organize the church and recognize that, you know, some people do, you know, are teachers, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are pastors and teachers. Um, and, and it's kind of become almost like a structural teaching of like, here's how we organize the church. Now, I don't want to say that either of those are wrong because they're both very valid way, way, ways to read the scripture. But when we, when we put that whole, and the reason I read all 16 verses there is when we put that section into context, we realize that the appeal here is actually an appeal for unity. It's not about the maturity of the individual believer as it's much about finding maturity through unity. Now, it starts off, um, and I, I love the way that Paul, and, and this is the moment that the, the book changes from being about the, what is the good news to being how now do we live. And the way Paul starts is he basically says, I am a prisoner. I'm in prison right now for preaching this faith. And so my one thing, you know, like my one thing as a prisoner that I want you to take away, and it's unity. And he encourages them. He says, be humble and gentle, bearing with one another. So he says, I'm a prisoner. I want you to do this one thing. And in the context of the discussion we've just had, it's almost like he's saying, exactly what we said at the end, don't presume that you have it all right. Don't presume that you're the one who holds the keys to the kingdom. Take the attitude of a learner. Take the attitude of a disciple and let that be your starting place, not the attitude of being right. Why? And he goes on to say, because we have one spirit, we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He's saying, please just do this one thing. Take the attitude of a learner you know, bear with one another in love because we have this, this central core of beliefs that we all share in common. Like all of us, we have this one spirit, this one Lord, one baptism. You know, he says, These, this is the main thing. Keep it the main thing. Now, so that's kind of verses 1 to 6. So when we get into verse 7 to 13, this is when the, the dialogue changes a little bit and Paul starts to talk about the different functions that people play within the church. Now, for me, 
I don't see that verse 11, the apostles, prophets, uh, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. I don't see that necessarily as a structure, but it's, it's more of a descriptive passage about the different kinds of roles that people can play. And I don't think that's an exhaustive list either. You know, we get other lists of different functions in the church. But the point is not a church structure. The point is to recognize that we are going to have different views. Uh, we are going to have different uh, approaches to the way that we live out our faith because we have different functions. And when we recognize that we all have a different role to play, I think it changes our lens. Like we realize we all have a slightly different lens that we come to uh, when we're talking about the gospel. And so he kind of wraps out the argument in verses 14 to 16 by invoking a metaphor that he uses elsewhere by comparing the church to a body. And the idea is that the body has many different parts that all work together and function as one. And when each part of the body plays its own part, recognizes what it's for and what it's not for, that's when the body reaches maturity. And so the maturity that Paul is talking about here is ultimately not our individual maturity as believers, but our maturity as the church. Now, we're talking about keeping the main thing the main thing. uh, And we're talking about how we navigate this tension between holding fast to the teaching of Scripture while also wanting to remain unified as a church. So that's, that's kind of the context. And I want to acknowledge that this passage isn't explicitly about that. It's, it's trying to help us understand that we all have different functions. And when we acknowledge that, then we reach unity. The reason that I don't think these topics line up is because of what I said before um, about Christianity not being about being right. You see, he didn't say... he's. You know, isn't it interesting that he's talking about unity and he's not trying to help the church reconcile all their different beliefs. You know, we sometimes look at the early church and we go, it must have been so easy for them because, you know, they just had Jesus. Like they didn't have all of this time for different opinions to form and different different interpretations. But that wasn't the case at all. There wasn't just like one faith that everyone had. It was exactly the opposite. They were trying to figure out what to do with this new teaching, with this new Messiah. Like, you know, you would have a church full of people who are completely different takes on what they were gathering for. And that was the reality of the, reality of the early church. But he's not appealing here. He's not saying the solution to unity is to kind of figure out the right set of beliefs. He's saying it's to recognize that you have different functions. So it's not about correct doctrine. It's actually about unifying in mission. And that's... That's where I think these two things connect. This passage connects with what we talked about before is when we stop focusing on having the right beliefs and we recognize that following Jesus, we're all on the same mission. And when we recognize that different churches probably are there to play different roles, that's when I think we can begin to connect and begin to work together. So how do we pull this all together? And how does, what does that mean for us and our culture as a church? Well, there's a few things I want to say before we pray. And the first one is um, that as a church, our goal is to be unapologetic about the, the things that we hold as core beliefs and convictions. We know who we are. We know what we believe. But we want to be absolutely gracious and welcoming to people of all sorts of, of funky and interesting opinions. So we want to do both of those things. And when we, when we keep in mind that framework, that's where, that's, that helps us draw the line.
you know, I I have strong feelings and opinions on some topics and they're going to come through, but the, the opinions that Jen and I have, they're not the official opinions of the church. We actually want to really make room. And one of the beautiful things that we did, uh, I think we managed when we were leading at Northridge, is we actually did have a very eclectic group of people who sometimes rubbed each other up totally the wrong way. But I'm so glad that we, we did that. I'm so glad that we made space for all of these different people because I think that we were so much richer for it. When we stop seeing different opinions as, as divisive and we start seeing different opinions as a chance to enrich one another, I think that that will have an, a really significant and important influence in our culture. And I ended up accidentally saying this before, but I'm going to just say it one more time that um, that our hope, Jen and I, our hope for this community as we continue to grow is that every one of us would come to church, would come to the scriptures with an attitude of a learner, the attitude of a disciple. You know, not as not trying to prove the the already held points that we we have you know formed in our own lives, but actually as people who are, are coming together to community to learn from one another and to build each other up as we all seek Jesus together. Um, and it, it comes back to this phrase that I used the other day or to this quote I used the other day that I think just, again, really beautifully captures the kind of culture that we want to have here. And it's the Walt Whitman quote that says, be curious, not judgmental. So that's our hope for who we would be as a church family, that we would be a church family who are willing to take the call to discipleship seriously and recognize that discipleship starts with a posture of humility, exactly like Paul said here, uh, being willing to bear with one another in love so that we can build each other up to maturity in the body. So, sounds easy, right? Mm. Easy. You know, people are naturally very curious and not judgmental, right? Like, you know, no, no one would ever accuse the church of being judgmental. So I'm going to pray for us <laughs> because that's the only way it's going to happen. Hmm. Let's just um, let's just take a moment to prepare ourselves um, to receive from the Lord. So if it's helpful, you can put your hands out. Nothing magical about that position. It's just a, an outward sign of what you're doing inwardly with your heart. So feel free to put your hands out. That's helpful. Um, but Lord, I just want to pray that you prepare our hearts um, because we believe that when we pray, that when you ask, that when we ask you for things, that you respond. Um, I was reading in James the other day, um, there's this throwaway line where um, the author of James just says, you know, when you ask, uh, believe that you will receive it. Um, you know, God loves to give us gifts. And so, Lord Jesus, we're coming to you, asking you to show us how to be humble. Lord, when we think about your journey to the cross, the things that people said to you uh, as you were being uh, as you were being beaten, as you were walking up that hill and as you were crucified, Lord, we think about how humble you were able to be in that moment. And Lord, just give it, if you just gave us a, a small piece of that, Lord, I just believe that it would change the world. And so we pray for ourselves as a church community that you would give us an attitude of humility. Um, Lord, show us all of the places that we've been proud, that we've thought that we know best. Uh, and just remind us, Lord, that you know best. And Lord, we also want to pray 
uh, for the church family here in Toowoomba. Um, Lord, there is such a beautiful history and heritage of working together, of unity in this town. And Lord, we want to see that again, but more, but more, Lord. And so show us, not just as church leaders, we don't just want this to be the church leaders, Lord. We want this to be the churches, the the people, the communities, uh, learning how to work together to see your kingdom come. And Lord, as we do all of this, Lord, just remind Lord, I want to pray that you would help us to keep things simple, to keep things focused, to, to major on the majors, to minor on the majors, uh, minor on the minors, to keep the main thing the main thing. Um, Lord, so show us how to do that well. Um, and Lord, I, I even just want to pray that you would show us how to do healthy conflict within the church. When we do come up with, you know, we do individually categorize some of these beliefs differently. Lord, just help us to be gracious with one another. And always come to one another with an attitude of wanting to learn rather than wanting to be right. So, yeah, we just want to pray for for this church. We want to pray for your church, Lord. Show us how to do it better. Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now and hope you have an excellent week.